What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are a totally independent Star Trek podcast with 70 episodes and counting. I'm David Majors. I am joined by my co-host, the terrific Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What is up, David? So everyone knows that we like to do something special every five episodes. We like to bring on a guest. We like to have a special theme. Sometimes we do both. Today we're doing both. (laughs) But we have hit episode 70, and it is time for our very first returning guest. (laughs) And they were the guests on our very... On our fifth episode, all the way back when. Damn, I don't even—I don't even remember what year that was. It's been so long ago. It all runs together, but but they're one of our favorites. They are one of our favorites, and they are someone I'm glad to call my very best friend, my twin, my Zahia Heather Barker. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. My my heart is so happy. It's it's totally the. The smiley emoji with all the hearts around it right now. Uh, the emojis are neutral. <laughs> mutual. But man, listen, like episode 70. Wow. Congratulations. That's a big accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's always a ride. I don't even remember what we talked about that first time. Star Trek. Definitely well, Star Trek. See, I actually I do remember what we talked about because it was episode five. So we talked about Star Trek five, the final frontier. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was fun. I love to watch the old movies. I don't know. So, so I put so much time in between them, especially just the the older, like the main movies. That sometimes I forget things that happened yeah so it's often like oh like i'm kind of of course you're not watching it like it's totally new but still like it's still an adventure and still fun i remember live tweeting about those movies when i was watching them and yeah now now i totally remember (laughs) well back to talk about star trek again and and it's great to have you now for new listeners of the show hi I'm David in Michigan. That's Heather in Ohio. Heather in Florida is our guest today. We talk about Star Trek. If you're new to the show, we do our podcasts in sort of three acts where we talk about old business, which they call legacy Star Trek, which includes the cage, which is important today, all the way up to and including the Kelvin movies. Where we talk about new business is when we talk about things happening in the world of Star Trek franchise in the here and now. And upcoming business is where we look further ahead to see what's happening with Star Trek in the future. So we'll start with old business. And I think this is a great topic that I think, did I bring this one up? I think I did. Yes, this is the first one. We have two. Uh, For old business this time around, we're keeping it a little simple. Uh, Right now, we're in what I like to call the expanse, uh, when it is that gap between airing Star Trek seasons, and there's not a lot of new Star Trek going on. So I figured I'd bring up an oldie but a goodie, and I'll ask this around. Uh, Since we're talking about legacy Star Trek, I want to ask uh, both of you, Heather in Ohio, which would you say is the first Star Trek show that you go to when you feel like it, when you're just in any kind of mood to watch Star Trek, which one do you usually gravitate towards first? Uh, Right off the top of my head, the answer would be Star Trek Voyager. 
And that's because Janeway is a comfort character. So if 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 I am thinking about watching Star Trek, if I want the comfort, the warm hug of watching Star Trek, I'm going to go to my main comfort character in Star Trek, which would be Janeway. So it's got to be Voyager. Okay. All right. Star Trek Voyager. I like Voyager a lot. And even just recently, I've been going to Voyager a lot, too, because... I've said this over and over again. I love the entire cast of characters. I think all of the characters are really fleshed out and really well done. And I love all of them, including Janeway. So I totally get that with Voyager. Uh, Heather Ray, uh, when you're in the mood to watch Star Trek, which show do you gravitate towards? Well, I'm, I'm waiting for that button that I hit that just, you know, I guess it's on Netflix when Netflix had Star Trek that you could hit the button and it would just play an episode um, because really any Star Trek hits the spot. But if we're thinking about comfort, which is totally what I did when I thought about this question, I went to Deep Space Nine uh, and I've tried I've been trying to think about why, <laughs> what specifically about DS9 is so comfortable that that feels like home and I mean all Star Trek feels like home in its own way to me but I think that of all the Star Trek people like Jadzia people like Kira Cisco not only did I wish I could be like half the person that they are um but they're so comforting they not that they were parent figures or anything but and I mean technically Mr. Cisco is uh but there's just something about them that makes me feel safe with DS9. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's it, it's the stories are compelling. I can put on a good fun story, aka move along home. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's got it's got a triple episode. Like it's got duet. It's got so much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can definitely agree with that because I feel like. When I want some really good Star Trek, when I feel like I'm in the mood for something really quality, I usually go to Deep Space Nine. And I feel like there's so much of Deep Space Nine that is just high quality television that it never lets me down. And I totally get that. I totally, I, I would say that between the two of you, DS9 and Voyager are probably the two that I would say. But I'm going to go a little bit off board here, and I found that the show that I find myself gravitating towards recently is Star Trek Discovery. Uh, like I said about Voyager, I love the cast and crew. I love the characters. I love all of the characters. With Discovery, kind of like DS9, I love the stories they tell. I love the episodes. You can find single standalone episodes that are really, really good. You can get into a, a multi-episode story arc where something is going on. I, I think that Discovery has a lot of the good things that make Star Trek what it is, and I think Discovery does a great job of being an example of that. So recently for me, it's been... I, I recently watched an episode from Season 2 of Discovery, and I also watched an episode from Season 3. So... Yeah, for me it's been it's been Discovery. So I am I'm very pro Star Trek Discovery. It's here here. Here here. 
I mean, here, here, but I'll just want to let everyone know David is cheating. We are supposed to talk about legacy Star Trek in this segment, and he brought Total up Discovery. Breaking the rules. Breaking the rules. We're rule breakers here. You know, I, I just love that Star Trek is the kind of entertainment that pretty much anyone who watches it, whether they watch a few episodes or all the series and seasons, can find something that, that is a comfort or that they do enjoy. Uh, those are like my favorite my favorite questions to ask is the one that you asked today. So thank you. My pleasure. And it was and thank you for sharing. It was great to hear from both of you. And everybody out there, please let us know on Twitter if if you want to let us know at prom trek pod. What Star Trek show do you go to when you're in the mood for Star Trek first? What's your Star Trek go to show first? Let us know at prom trek pod on Twitter. Uh, to continue with old business, we have a topic from Heather uh, that I think will be really good, and and I'm excited to talk about it. So, Miss Kirby, you have the con. Okay, so we're going to take this topic, and it's going to lead into our new business sec- s- section. But before I start with that, I want to say, like, th- this was kind of my idea and my theme for this show was to talk about the disability representation across Strange New World. And before we start this discussion, I want to kind of like put it out there that, you know, each of us, whether we bring it up in, in, this, in this discussion or not, do have a personal reason to discuss disability representation. Uh, whether we choose to share it is ours alone our decision alone. So no one has to choose to share that. Uh, but it is one of those topics where it is something that is really based off of our own experiences and what we've dealt with throughout our lives and why we feel this way. So please understand that when you're listening to that, you may not, you may feel differently. That's okay. But we are just sharing our opinions and our views on this subject. So going into our old business part of this topic, uh, we're going to discuss Captain Pike and his story throughout the cage and the menagerie in TOS. And really, like, as, as we know from watching season two of Discovery and Strange New Worlds, this is very much kind of the middle and then end of Pike's story in the Star Trek universe. Uh, but it plays a very important role when talking about uh, disabilities and the representation of that that we see on screen. So I'm going to start with Heather. What are your thoughts when, when you think about the episode? What are your thoughts on the cage and the menagerie and what Pike deals with? Oh, I, I realized I wish I had watched the menagerie. I watched the cage not too long ago because over on... Um, the mission log discord i've been leading a rewatch discussion for strange new worlds and then you asked me to be on this podcast and i was like well i want to go visit more of pike before uh, I, I speak on disability and his journey and i watched the cage i've seen enough of the menagerie to know what happens in the menagerie i think that the most shocking difference is pike's demeanor between at least the cage 
and the pike that we meet in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether we ever get an explanation or story about that is I don't care. Um, and I was just speaking of, you know, moving from having an issue with women on the bridge to having a bridge that he's happy to hand over to a team of all women. Yeah. Uh, that's it's, it's quite a change and I'm okay with it. Um, I do think it is really interesting for Star Trek to pick up this character and his story and being linked with the disabled community. I've always been very curious about the discussion that Star Trek has around disability because A, I don't think Star Trek has has exceeded uh, when it comes to, to disability representation. Uh, in some ways it has and in some ways it has not, but we're in a new era, so there's new opportunity. And overall, I having watched the entire, well, that that's a whole other, I don't want to get into Strange New Worlds. That's the wrong way to go, Heather Ray. Go back to the cage. Go back to the cage. We're going to get there, I promise. Get in the cage, Heather. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. It's, you know, he's just, he's, it's such a different character. And we we end up, we come to the accident that disables him. And the future that's chosen is you're going to be stuck in a body uh, let's take your mind elsewhere. And I want to bring this up again because it actually comes up in Strange New Worlds in a different context with different characters. But I just I, I keep wanting to compare Cage and Menagerie to Strange New Worlds, and, and I don't think that's the right thing to do. So um, I love those episodes because they are legacy episodes with a character uh, that we now are learning a lot about standing alone. We were always just kind of curious about the dude and like, well, Hey, why do you hate women? Um, clearly he had some issues, had an accident. Things got worse. I appreciated the connection between Pike and Spock in the menagerie. I'm glad we get to learn a little bit more about it through strange new worlds. I'm really sad that in the future of Star Trek, the best they could give someone was a box with a light. Uh, uh, and that's kind of where I stay. I like, I don't have uh, any wisdom, I guess, on the, the the character or the disability representation in TOS because it, it wasn't quite there for me. Well, it, like to me, like the, the biggest thing that really stands out to me and, and when looking at the cage and the menagerie is uh, the idea of personal autonomy and choice mm-hmm. when it comes to Pike and uh, I, sh- I should have written her Layla. Layla, yes. Layla. Okay. When it comes to both Pike and Layla, um, because like we can have the we can make the argument about how the way they treated Layla's character is really horrible to leave her in that situation the way they treat pike's character and his disfigurement is really horrible and how we couldn't do anything better than that but ultimately they they both made choices for themselves and so they weren't put in a situation where they were forced to do something that they didn't want to do like ultimately Layla decided to stay with the Telosians. That was her yeah. choice. Um, ultimately at the end of the menagerie, it is Pike's choice to go back to Talos for and stay with Layla and the Telosians. So to me, that's the most important thing that I draw from these episodes 
is that you could have put them in a position where at least when the time that they were out there, a lot of people were ended up like just locked in the facility for the rest of their lives with no choice or option in the matter in situations like theirs, like at least you're giving them options and choices and they got to decide what was best for them. Yeah. I'm trying to think, and I'm sorry, David, I, I know you're next. <laughs> so I'm no, sorry to ahead. interrupt. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because now I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about conversations that I've had in the past, I think with you, Heather, and with other people. And I feel like part of the contention that has come up is like, not to be contrarian, contrarian. Um, because I do think that the ability to choose is 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 um, a word I can't think of. Very important. I think it was the question of does this send a message of if you're old and disfigured or otherwise disfigured or impaired, in, in Pike's case, can't use his body at all. Um, if you choose to go stay at a place where those parts of you don't exist... It's, it's what is that saying about disability itself? Is it saying that, and I think that ultimately this comes down to personal choice. Um, so I don't think it's as easy as people just saying, well, this sends the message that if you, you know, it's someone with a disability would rather live in a fantasy in their head than live in their body, I guess is the most forward way to say it. Uh, and I think that for some people, they're, there is a very real consideration of, yes, if that was an option for me, that is what, what I would do. Um, and so I think that when it does come to personal choice, you know, it definitely plays in well. I still, I still feel like in some respects it can be an ableist representation, uh, but I'm curious as to what David thinks about all of this. I like that we're talking about the concept of choice. Because I think that is really the core of the issue. And it's a question that comes down to the individual. Um, Earlier today, um, I watched the season two episode of DS9, Melora, Mm, where uh, Ensign Melora came to the station and she is an alien where her body uh, has different reactions because her planet has a different gravity level. So it's hard for her to do things in their gravity on the station. So she has a wheelchair. They set up a wheelchair for her and her quarters are set up with low gravity. And throughout the episode, they test a medical theory that might allow Melora to exist among let's just say everyone else with less difficulty. Uh, it was a medical procedure and Dr. Bashir uh, offered this to her, but in the end she chose to stay the way she was because she wouldn't know who she would be afterwards. It was uh, an identity issue. And it seems as though you can embrace certain things about yourself that might be seen as negative, but you can embrace them as part of your identity and you can choose to stay the way you are. Um, If you accept that a disability is part of your identity, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing unless you see it that way. 
So I think it really does come down to choice and how you see yourself and your self-identity. And I think that's that's the main thing. I think the one thing that Star Trek has done well with a lot of these is that they do give they do give these characters a choice. And I do think that is important. That and it's kind of a running theme, but the choice is what's important. I mean, I I, I definitely agree. And and that's that's kind of why why I put my little out there before we even started this discussion because there's going to be people who look at episodes like the cage and the menagerie and disagree with me. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. They were written back in the 1960s. There are plenty of issues with the stories and the way it's presented in those episodes, but I like to, because it it might be just because I really enjoy the episodes as a whole. I, I choose to focus on the positive aspect of that, which is the choice aspect in my opinion. I think that um, I think that my thought is just going to go right out of my head. <laughs> Thank you, thought. Oh my gosh, guys, I'm sorry. It was oh, like, don't you dare right? apologize. Well, there's there's two thoughts in my head right now, and one was related to Melora because I had a friend, uh, my friend John Macy, who does his own show, and he um, uses a chair, and as does his wife. Um, And so it was really interesting to hear his perspective and for him to point out that Melora was only disabled when she came to Deep Space Nine. It was, it was almost a choice, like on her own, on her own planet, she's fine, but it turns into a disability when she comes to Deep Space Nine. And in in and of itself, that means that she is a character like that disability was, was a choice. It wasn't, you were born this way. Um, and I just hadn't ever thought about it from that perspective before. Um, that's a curious episode because it was written by someone who is disabled. And to this day, disabled people have various perspectives about it, which is what my other point was, was that, you know, it's not a monolith. <laughs> the, the disabled community is not a monolith. Um, disabled people have all kinds of perspectives and opinions. And I think that it's very easy to, uh, especially in the days of social media, uh, kind of forget <laughs> that there, there are a variety of perspectives out there and, and they are all valid. I think it's both valid to say that the episode is ableist in ways. I think it's also valid to say that they both made this choice. And when we look at the future and what our future choices are, like the the subject of euthanasia comes up for me, um, especially as someone with a disability, especially as someone who is disabled in bed some days and can't like I can't move. It hurts to do anything. I I can do the bare minimum, and I think about what my life is going to be in the future, um, and will we have that option? Because I I have certain parameters for for what I want to live with, and that could all change. But in the future, who's to say that there's not some kind of option similar to what we've seen? I mean, obviously, different different sci-fi, <laughs> not sci-fi, but real science and different. You're not going to go live on, you know, on a planet and all that stuff. Um, but when it comes to escapism is one thing. Being forced to do something is another thing. Um, making a choice with the tools that you have 
is also another and just there's no there's no wrong or right here um so if anybody can complain they can send their complaints to me just kidding i just it's everybody you in the street if you do i will fight you in the street everybody's perspective on this is valid especially if you are someone who is disabled i you know i think that those opinions um kind of trump those of the able-bodied who don't know our life experience but if I've learned anything, it's just that it there's 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 not one way. There's lots of different ways. And I, and I mean that that's I, I think that's the point. One of the points I was trying to make earlier, like that, it isn't a monolith. We are all going to have different opinions on, and especially on a variety of subjects. Like when when we move into new business, we're going to talk about Una and genetic engineering, and it, it's one of those things that. You know, I I have a very strong opinion on that based on the fact that I was born with a genetic disorder. So someone else who wasn't born with a genetic disorder is not going to feel the same way that I feel about that subject. So it, it, it it's it's important. And, and that's one of the reasons why I really wanted you here to have this conversation with me, because I don't necessarily always feel comfortable talking about things like that with other people. And I know I can trust the two of you to have a conversation and not really have a very honest and open conversation about things. So yeah, I'm I'm just very happy for that. Group hug. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's so important and essential and life-saving for people to have um, a place or a family, a group that, that they feel safe speaking about these issues, even when they may not feel comfortable doing so. And I know that for me, look, my disabilities used to be completely invisible. Um, You can't see that I have fibromyalgia. You can't see that I have complex PTSD. You can't see anxiety or depression. I mean, you you can when you know people, you can see the, the signs and symptoms but just looking at me, I don't look disabled. Um, nowadays, I have nerve damage in my left arm and my finger, my pinky finger sticks out weird. And people notice that. Um, I have scars and sometimes they notice them, but they don't say anything. And that's a whole new element to my experience living with disabilities. I think that we tend to grow up learning a certain definition of what disability looks like. And I'm really grateful that over my life, specifically through the internet, (laughs) uh, I have met so many other disabled people that have affirmed for me that I have a right to identify as disabled. And I try to pass that on to everyone else. And just because your disability looks different from somebody or isn't as as severe as somebody else, um, don't don't ever minimize yourself. And I'm just talking to the world out there at this point. But it's you know I'm grateful for the both of you and that we fostered a friendship that we feel comfortable talking about things because I definitely understand um, where it gets difficult. Uh, but ultimately, we should all be able to speak confidently about our experiences and our opinions of how disability, you know, is represented and portrayed in media. Okay, so on that note, we're going to move <laughs> on to new business. <laughs> and we're going to discuss uh, some of the many examples across Strange New Worlds Season 1 of disability representation, their pros, their cons. I think one of the things they really 
tried to do with Strange New Worlds was have disability representation for people across a lot of these characters. But, you know, the, like, in my opinion, there are some that hit really well and there's some that there's still a big issue with. So since we were talking about Pike, right, in old business, we're going to start with Pike here. So one of the biggest issues I have with Anson Mount's portrayal of Captain Pike across Strange New Worlds is at least in like the first part of the season and then the last part of the season, there's a lot harping on his vision of his future and what that pertains to that. But I, I really don't like the words they choose to have him describe it as. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just... In, I actually did some homework for this, and I did actually watch like the first couple episodes of season one uh, to refresh my memory on things. And one of the things that really bothers me, especially in the first episode, is when he talks about, well, I saw my death. Yep. He wasn't dead. <laughs> okay? He did not see his death. He saw his future, and when, in which he, he ends up extremely disfigured and disabled but that's not death and referring to disability as a death is a huge problem who wants to go first i want to let david talk because i talked a lot before (laughs) (laughs) okay david your turn all right okay yes that happened it did uh and it wasn't okay it really wasn't and for pike to say he saw his own death and for him to see that as death is not okay uh i know later on they they changed it and he said that he saw his own future and i believe he said something along the lines of it wasn't what i had planned out for myself yeah Mm -hmm. uh but you know too little too late for for some people understandably too little too late and that was that was a slip on their part. Uh, I will let Heather cover the conflict with Una and La'an. And of course, I know we'll get into Heather a little bit later. Yes. I uh, totally agree that phrasing it that way is a no-no. <laughs> um, I I specifically, someone, someone else brought this up regarding the episode and the way that he phrased it. And, and it's like, Okay, at least he does go back and clarify that about what he saw. This is my headcanon retconning is that while yes, it was a boo-boo, it was the one thing that has reminded me of the old pike. <laughs> so that's kind of where I put that. And my hope is that so A, this is an example of where I think that the lack of disability representation in the writer's room, which let me point out, I don't know for sure who all the writers are in the, in the Strange New World's writer's room. So I can't technically claim there is no disability representation there because I don't know that for a fact. However, I, I would like to think that if there was and someone was a you know, comfortable speaking up and B, people listened that they might have thought about that comment and changed it. But part of what I think is that it is there to emphasize the change 
or foreshadow like the spectrum of change that Pike uh, that happens to Pike throughout the season uh, because he's, he's sitting there freaked out saying, I've seen my death. I know what's coming. And by the end of the season, we have a, a, a bit of a different point of view. So I, that that's what I do with it because I don't like that it was there. Um, well, overall, go ahead. Well, I mean, we, he does end, end the season having a different point of view, but mm-hmm. that's also after he goes through the last episode in seeing what would happen if he tried to change his future, which yep. I, 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 I feel like he, and, and I'm not sure ultimately how I feel at the end of that episode, because it it's like, I'm not quite sure if he decided that changing his future was ultimately a bad thing, or if he decided that he just couldn't change his future because he didn't want things happen, bad things happen to people he cared about. So Why can't it be both? Well, it could be both, but I'm not sure if I think that's a positive thing. Okay. I uh, The one thing I really wish for Captain Pike is that we had a counselor on board the USS Enterprise <laughs> because, man, he talks to just about everybody about his problems. He talks to Una about his problems. He talks to random girlfriend that kills children. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's like, okay, dude, don't know. You need to, I get that like, you're intimate and comfortable with somebody, but you don't unload that in that moment. That's, nope, don't. Um, I don't have bad feelings about Pike and the way that they've portrayed everything aside from, yes, disability is not death. It's not a death sentence. And ultimately, I think that the message we want to send about disability is that no matter the disability, you can have a life and you can have a good life and you have to overcome the challenges that, that come along with your disability and, and everything else. I mean, and life, life is a human being. Um, ultimately we want to say there's a way to live with it and live well. I think that's a very positive message that isn't always, doesn't always feel achievable or realistic, uh, when I'm having bad days, but I feel like that, that message maybe ultimately gets across, it's still hard for me to say when, yes, we have the menagerie and I guess that's, that's how it is going to end. I was concerned that they were going to, they're going to like completely change Pike's ending. Uh, That was my big fear is that they were going to do something and then he would not wind up disabled. And who's to say, (laughs) it feels like maybe in season one, we've kind of put it to rest and he's ready to accept his fate and just move on with living life. And I mean, that that's another message right there is that there's there's really nothing we can do but accept, you know, the life that we have. Um, I don't know. It's it's a difficult subject. I think that I'm curious to see if anything more happens in season two with him and that storyline. Um, but I think that's all I've got to say about Pike for now. Are, are you both good on Pike? Yeah, I think. We're yes, I'm good on to. Uh... Other characters. So um, I, I, I did want to really talk about Una in this segment because I love the backstory that they gave Una and the Illyrians in episode three, uh, Ghosts of Illyria. Um, I think it's 
really important considering all the history we've seen throughout the Star Trek universe about genetic engineering and basically genetic engineering being portrayed as being bad and incredibly evil. Um, It was amazing for me to watch a character who is genetically engineered, but in a positive way, because there, there really is a lot of positives to the science behind that. And so it, 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 it's one of those things, like it's always been portrayed across Star Trek that ultimately like messing with your genes is something that will turn very, very bad. And that's how we ended up with huge civil wars and things like that. And people just want to be perfection. But there's a lot of th- a lot of good that p- can be done with genetics. And to see good and positive things coming from Una's character because of her genetic engineering, it, it, it was really wonderful for me to watch. And I really enjoyed that part. Um, I don't know how I feel about her getting rested <laughs> at the end uh. of season one. But ultimately, I think her story in Strange New Worlds can show a positive side that Star Trek has never shown on that subject before. And I'm incredibly hopeful that it will do so. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there because you brought up something. Uh, about Star Trek showing genetic engineering as a positive for the first time. Um, I'm not sure that's the case. Because I think... If you're going to talk about Bashir, I have thoughts, but I'll (laughs) let you finish that thought. Okay. Because I think they made the point with Dr. Bashir that despite the circumstances, the genetic engineering ended up having a greater result in the long run. I... Yes and no. Um, so ultimately, Bashir's genetic engineering was beneficial to him. But my problem with Bashir as a character is that he's kind of treated like a freak show. And so he, he's treated like something abnormal and something ridiculous. And, and it, 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 it comes off positive, but then it, it also has negative connotations to it when they're highlighting it in a certain way. And so like Una's was very more like it, 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 it's brought up in this and, and, and the way I put it like this, it's, it's brought up in this episode, but then it's not mentioned again. And you can argue that, well, we're trying to keep it a secret. You know, she's genetically, and we, we don't want to bring light to it, but like every time, after it comes out that Bashir has been augmented, like every time it's mentioned again, it's mentioned in a way that makes him stand out, which doesn't necessarily put a positive light on it. Like, like they they kind of treat him like, oh, well, you, you know, you, you're the smarty pants. You you got the genetically enhanced brain. You can figure it out. Like, it, it, it doesn't come off very warm and fuzzy, in my opinion. Okay. I'm trying to think about that specific episode with Bashir and that focuses on his augmentation. I feel like that was a pretty good episode from what I remember. And I do remember them treating him like an other um, and that that was definitely really hard to see 
I, I, I don't want to compare the two. I think, you know, they're, they're different. And Una, her, you know, the Illyrians, what I like about them is that they adapt to the environment around them. Uh, so they don't cause any harm. They, they, I don't know. That was just really cool. I like that. Um, I, you can't go wrong with Una for me right now, <laughs> aside, aside from arresting her, I guess. Um, and I thought that was such a clever little, little twist at the end of, uh, what is it? A quality of mercy. Yeah. Uh, that, that final episode. <laughs> um, so definitely curious about season two, but I, I had a, uh, I don't remember where I saw this perspective, but I'm just curious about what you guys think that, uh, so we, there's that scene where, oh, and it's, I love the scene. I love it. Where she picks up Hemmer. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, Hemmer, Hemmer's injured. She picks him up. And I can't tell you how much I love that scene because you do think in that instant that, okay, he's a tall guy. He's got to be heavy. Of course, the, 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 body double thing they give her is so sad like you could tell it's just the legs and like the lightest thing in the world I was like you you could have made it a little thicker yeah um but I love that moment I love seeing the display of physical strength and I saw someone comment on the fact that is that really the the display of strength that we need and is that is that what we needed to show that she was superhuman like, is it just because a lot of women can pick up men and carry them that way? And I thought that's a valid point. I, I don't try it. I, I haven't picked up any men recently. Um, and I don't know if I could. And I lift heavy things. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought it was a valid point for me. I still like I had a visceral reaction to seeing her pick him up because it was very much a hero moment. Yeah. It wasn't just about the physical strength for me. Yeah. It was about her ability to care for him. Um, her, you know, immediate pick him up, take him with me, get him safe. Like it was just such a great moment. But, you know, I thought the other perspective was interesting. Um. Okay, same episode, a few scenes before. Um, how did you feel about the scene where uh, it looked like Una was adapting to the virus through her genetic engineer? I think, uh, well, it, I, I mean, obviously that's the first key that there's something unique about her. And I think when I first watched that episode, I was like, oh, well, that's uh, like, I think I had the reaction like, well, is everybody else going to do that? You know, <laughs> um, I, I agree with you, Heather. I, I, I don't see that scene with her picking up Hemmer as like a superhuman moment. I see it more and, and even knowing the entire story, like after first watch watching it again, I still see it more as like a hero leadership moment because I, I, I mean, in this episode, she is the leader on the ship. The captain's down on the planet. She's, she's responsible for everyone. And so I feel like that's an act that I would have expected her to do no matter whether she has better strength than your average woman or not. 
you know? So I, I don't see it like that. I, I think they did intend it that way, especially like the, the, there's a comment, like a throwaway comment that I think Chapel makes in the med bay when she brings Hemmer in, like, oh, you carried him in here yourself or something like that. Yeah. So I think with that comment, they intend that scene to look that way, but maybe it's just because I'm a woman. I don't, I didn't see it that way. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think the, the moment where you see her adjust to it, 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 it's definitely when you know there's, there's something unique about her. And, and it's, it's, it's obvious, but it's very subtle, in my opinion, too. It, 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 it's not something that's in your face. She still looks like a regular, typical humanoid. It's just something unique that her body can do. I think uh, someone on our Discord mentioned that they thought, because this was episode three, that they were like, oh, no, is this going to turn into the naked now or the naked time? <laughs> uh, and I just, in that what? moment... <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it was going to be a sexy episode, and like uh, I did kind of think that too. <laughs> I, you know, I was like, "What is happening right now?" And oh my god! But um, and I also just thought of all the the Kirk ripping his uniform stuff. I don't know. My mind went to different places. Everybody's uh, going to the horny brig. Yeah, <laughs> horny brig. All of you. Well, I mean, she does rip her uniform in that scene. So, yeah, I can see yeah. where that comes from. I mean, that's a, it's a chunk. Am like, I the only one who never thought about that? <laughs> no, I can guarantee you're, you're probably not the only one. But, I mean, you know, I thought, oh, it's a little sexy. But then, you know, she she adapted and it was fine. So I was like, okay. Hmm. And I was just curious about, like, you know, who knows? Does anybody know? Who's she going to tell? And at this point, like, I'm, well, there's there's different secrets on board Enterprise right now. Yeah. So trying to think about, I can't remember if she tells, so who knows? So Pike knows or does Pike not know? Pike does know. She tells Pike at the end of the episode. Okay, right. And then in that episode, she told Mbenga or Hemmer? Uh, she, she told Mbenga and Chapel. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm just a little confused there. But yeah, so we did have quite a few people who who knew and I I just you know loved the fact that in that final episode when they came to arrest her Pike was like I don't care what she is yeah and that is a true Star Trek moment and another reason that you know even though he is the Boy Scout um, and a little too perfect sometimes um, I just I really love uh, Anson Mounts Pike more and more yeah all right moving on we gotta talk about my boy Hammer. We 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 could not have this discussion without talking about Hammer. I think uh, just, you can talk about Laon next, right? Well, well, well yes, we're gonna talk okay. about Laon too. Okay. Uh, or do you want to talk about Laon now with her? No, we can talk about Hammer. We okay. can talk about Hammer. Okay. Um. So, uh, I it it's incredibly wonderful and important to have a visually impaired character on Star Trek. Um, especially the fact that he is played by a visually impaired actor. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a huge step forward in representation. And Bruce Horick is phenomenal. I hope I get the chance to meet him someday. <laughs> he, His portrayal of Hemmer is just so wonderful and unique and so very much 
Um, it, 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 it's he, Hemmer is portrayed in a way where it does not matter and it should not matter about the fact that he's blind. And that's the most important part. And, and we've talked about this multiple times about discovery and discussing their LGBT characters and them coming out. And it, it's just being, that's what it is. And we move on. That's exactly what Hemmer is in strange new world. He is an anar. He is blind. We move on. It, 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 it it's, it's wonderful to watch. And I, I feel like I'm a broken record at this point talking about all these characters because I go, they're so wonderful. And then at the end of the season, when they get arrested or they die, like Hemmer yeah. does, like, yeah. and, and, and that, well, that is the part that's going to wrap up this discussion is talking about that end. But I, yeah, uh, I love Hemmer so much. I hope that Bruce Horak comes back to the Enterprise in a different character, in a different form, because he was fantastic as Hemmer, and I want to see more of him in Star Trek. That is my understanding. Uh, now, it's been a while <laughs> since since we've had any Strange New Worlds talk, uh, and with current climate and strikes, which I think we talk about eventually, maybe, uh, you know, there's going to be a delay in season three yeah but i my understanding is that as they developed hammer they already had a different plan for bruce horak to play a different character and i will be upset if that does not happen oh, i'm gonna um, be very upset if that doesn't happen because for me and i think you know i, I think that this discussion has done a good uh, job of highlighting the fact that so much of this space is gray area. It's not black or white. It's not right or wrong. Uh, I mean, there can be very wrong representation. I will say that. Um, but when it comes to to certain things, like I, I know that at the time when we watched this, you know, live, that was his, his death is extremely upset. No matter how good it is. You, you brought this amazing character and it's, it is important. Like there, there clearly are disabled actors in the world <laughs> that can play disabled characters. And I'm glad that Hollywood is finally taking these baby steps to actually hire all kinds of actors um, <laughs> who can play the roles that they have life experience with. Um, so to have him come on, to have, them develop such a unique and interesting character who really I think played all of our heartstrings and then kill him was just the, oh yeah. it was really really difficult and it was like what message does that send to the disabled community um how does that community feel to see this character die and no no matter what because of what we learned like it there this is what we've got. This is what happened. I think we have to look at how it was done and really decide if we're happy with it or not. And if we're not, you've, you've got to figure something else out or move on because it is what it is. Yeah. Um, that character was meant to die and we will get Bruce back. If not, we riot. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I said this on the episode that we recorded right after it happened, but um, it, it was really, really hard for me to watch Hemmer die. And 
it it was one of those things where here I had this character that I was so excited for from the beginning, who not only is visually disabled, but is also um, an albino. And so here I am with albinism, with a visual impairment, and I, I feel seen in this character. And then to have him not even last the entire full season... Um, I, I it it was a gut punch. I I, yeah. I I felt extremely attacked by that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that. That sounds like such a very strong word, but I did. Um, and 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 it's it's like you have this moment of elation where you're like, "Hey, Star Trek sees me," and then you kill him off. <laughs> like that's me in Star Trek, and now I'm dead. <laughs> like it it it, it sounds a bit dramatic but it is what i felt in that moment and even now like months later um i'm still getting emotional talking about it i i just i hope in the future when they are moving forward with other characters like that they put a little bit more thought into the the impact that the characters mm. have I want to let David speak for a sec. I feel like I keep talking too much. No, it's okay. It's okay. I I really think that everything Heather has said is completely valid. And I can empathize with seeing a character you connect with uh, being cut from the show entirely. I can totally empathize with that. Um it can definitely be, and I can relate to anyone that feels that way with any character. So I think that the idea that, I think the thing that I thought of was, yes, Hammer was killed off. Heather, I will ask you this. How do you feel about the way he died? Because in the show, there wasn't anything about his disabilities that hindered him and his disabilities in no way played into his death. So I don't think that that's necessarily a negative. So I would ask your opinion on that. Um, I mean, I, they don't really, but they, I, I mean, I, 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 I feel like it, it, it was just his, his entire death felt kind of, unnecessary because like his death was the culmination of a very intense very dramatic very um alien-esque type episode and like and and i know a, a lot of the time like hollywood writers would argue that you know you need to have a payoff at the end and and you need to, there there need to be you need to show that there were stakes in the episode. There were a lot of people on that ship that died in that episode. Okay. Um, it, it was very obvious that there were stakes in it and it it felt very self-sacrificing, which like a lot of people would say, Oh, you know, that's a good death. He, 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 he saved everyone else. Um, but he, I, I don't know. I, I just I, I I don't feel like it needed to happen in that instance and it, it doesn't really matter what sort of circumstance they were in it it it, it felt very 
frigging. It, it, it did. And, and it, <laughs> I, I think that seems like a very apt term to this because uh, they were on a very cold planet. But it, it did feel like his his death was meant to move other characters and advance other characters forward. And I, 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 I'm not on board with that. Okay. Okay. I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know. I, one thing that I did want to say about Hammer, uh, that I did really love that he wasn't, he wasn't defined by his disabilities at all. You know, as you both said, like we learned about the disability, which I thought was nice. Um, but he he was such a dynamic character. His telepathy became a tool. Like he added so much more than just disability representation, which is absolutely what we want. And so yeah. I think that what what I'm hearing, listening to the two of you, I know that Heather, this character, this character specifically is the first time that you as an individual have really, I'm going to cry, have seen yourself in Star Trek. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there are even layers of this and how we see ourselves and how we connect to Star Trek because, you know, there there's a myriad, there are myriad aspects of how we identify with ourselves. And so it could be gender, it could be a disability, it, it could be... Um, a job that, that we've shared or if we're from the same place, like there's all these little things. And this is just something that runs really, really deep for you. So I know that, that the way you feel about this character is personal <laughs> and I think it's okay to, to feel defensive and to be upset with that character gone. I like what David has said about the fact that, and to me, and I think I, I definitely see Hammer more like having been a hero we learn that he's a pacifist um and even when he meets the gorn he's like i don't want to kill any of them but i will do what i need to protect you know my my family or everybody on the ship my crew whatever uh and he does that and i mean i think because i watched the last four episodes in secession today uh the time that we got with Hammer really stood out for me if it had if it had been Ortegas, who I don't feel was fully developed in season one, then I would I would be more upset about why did this character die and like who did this character die for? And this is how I feel about Roe and Picard then <laughs> see uh, in, in this season three of Picard. And I've had plenty of conversations about whether or not that and is judging. Yes. And and ultimately those conversations you know, I agree to disagree because I feel the way I feel about it. And maybe that will change with time, but that's how I feel now. So, so you can't convince me otherwise. And um, it's totally valid. And that is totally valid. I think that for me, because we got this time, not just the character development with Hammer, but the fact that we got to see his gifts and I'm specifically in, Oh, the fairy tale story. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Rukia and Mbenga, and we get to see him channel the the conscious alien, th- whatever it is, it's a consciousness, I think. Yeah. Uh, we get to see him channel, and we get to like see him play a part in Mbenga's experience there. Like that was phenomenal, and so I felt like he he 
he touched everyone on board. I mean, specifically in Benga and Ahura. Yeah. But everyone was upset. Everyone really mourned his loss. And this is where I feel like he has been such an impactful character. Like, I felt things with, with that death. And, and this is, I feel that, like, I feel... I didn't want it to happen. I wish it had not happened. I, I wanted more from this character 100%. But I'm okay with the fact that he did touch all of those lives. And he did make a decision that I, I think he knew like he had he, he didn't have time um, and wanted to protect everybody. And then you've got the really... the And again, we'll see it confirmed in season two the very real fact that this character was going to die and there's nothing we could have done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just such a, such a bummer to even know. Um, but especially when we only have 10 episodes of Star Trek, that is, that is hard. Um, and I feel like had it been Ortegas, I, I would have had a different reaction because Ortegas got the least development in season one. I believe she is going to get more in season two and is even like, part of the, the season kickoff in that first episode, but we'll see about that. Uh, praise Hammer. I'm curious to see how he returns. If he does not return, we riot. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. So moving on to the last character I wanted to focus on. Um, and I just want to make a point of here saying that mental health is also a huge part of disability representation as well, which is why we're going to talk about La'an. So David, I'm going to let you take the floor on this because I know you have a personal connection to La'an as well. Um, Yeah, I do. Uh, we find out in the same episode about Una's genetic modifications we find out about a little bit about La'an Nunyan Singh, who is a descendant of Khan, who was genetically enhanced. Uh, growing up, she had her last name, and there was really no way to avoid it. Uh, people made fun of her uh, for being a descendant of someone that was genetically augmented. They called her Augment, and they made her feel very different. She was not welcomed, and it shut her off. And now we see at the beginning of Star Trek, she has this very closed-off, almost abrasive personality in the beginning. And you can see that it's extremely difficult for her to open up to people because she's had to deal with so much trauma from being different for, for, for her DNA from what she had to endure with the Gorn. She's dealt with so much trauma that she's completely shut herself off from the world. And it's a tough place to be when you're on a starship, part of an organization, and you're not really a team player. It can be very, very challenging. And there's a lot that's going on with La'an. Um, and it's... It's something that can be seen almost immediately if you've suffered from any kind of extreme levels of ostracization, whether it was just bullying, being made fun of, uh, having parental issues, any of those things. Uh, dealing with childhood trauma is a, a, it can really take its toll on you and it can 
really make a difference in your entire life. And seeing La'an slowly working her way through that has been something that I've really enjoyed in, in season one. And she's starting to show a little bit more of her personality, a little bit more of her sense of humor in season one. And we're seeing a little bit more of it with the teaser in season two. And I'm looking forward to her kind of working through those things that she has to work through and of finding herself really just, just finding herself. The, um, the fight scene. And I can't, it might've been that specific, the ghosts of Valeria episode, uh, where they fight the fight and scene I, between her yeah. and Luna. Yeah. 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 That's the end of the episode. Yeah. And there's just so much projection from Lon in that. And that's like, you really can see the extent of, you know, what, what holding on to all of this trauma and not working through it is doing. I think it was such a change. And again, you know, part of, the quality of mercy is is in a different timeline, different reality, whatever. Um, and so the lawn we see there is not necessarily the same lawn that we'll get to know in the future. But whoa, could you tell the difference? Uh, the, what, seven years in the future? Like who she is at that time, who I hope is the person that, that we do get to see again. Uh, just a completely different demeanor, relaxed um open and and that is what healing can do for you uh so i i was also uh touched by her struggles i i liked that there was an ongoing dialogue throughout the season about the issues that she was dealing with and it was with her leadership it was with captain pike it was with una and i i really love the fact that she and una have a, a friendship of their own uh it was nice to see them playing the the start the bingo enterprise bingo together. <laughs> uh, that was, you know, a, another fun time with the two of them. That I think highlights what what David said about you know her beginning to heal and and seeing these um, the evidence of that. I I love seeing mental health struggle portrayed in Star Trek. Uh, Discovery did a better job in later seasons. <laughs> And I really value Discovery for helping pave the way uh, for Strange New Worlds here. And, and I would even argue Picard. Picard dealt with some mental health stuff, um, not necessarily in the best ways in some aspects. But it's nice to have seen picked up by Strange New Worlds. I do wish there was a counselor on board. <laughs> like, ah! You know, but it is it is also nice that they at least talk to and confide in one another and trust each other and have that support. Um, it's a really good thing to see. And I don't want to leave. I, I don't want to end the discussion about Lon, but I do want to quickly point out that even Uhura, you know, lost, lost her parents and ran away to, to Starfleet Academy to take her mind off of it. Um, didn't feel like she belonged. Like she was still dealing with trauma of her own and working through it. Um, and so it's just, it is really great to see that in Star Trek because learning to deal with our past traumas, current traumas, uh, and keeping our mental health in check is just a crucial to survival. It most certainly is. Uh, and this can be traced all the way back to Voyager, uh, one of my favorite episodes, uh, Extreme Risk. 
uh, where Bolana uh, is going through some struggles. So that that is an episode that I've talked about several times, including on Trek profiles when I got to go on Trek profiles. And I think Star Trek, when it has had the opportunity, has done a, a pretty good job at highlighting trauma and mm-hmm. what trauma can do to a person. Because I think as much as it is to show a person healing being important, I think it's important to show how trauma can hurt a person as well and how it can leave them hurt and broken uh, because there's more to it than just the recovery process. So I think Star Trek has done uh, an okay job at this overall. Uh, In the case, going back to La'an, I like that we're seeing some progress and I liked seeing what we saw in that alternate future. I hope it's a sign of things to come. And I think in general, we're all just interested in what season two of Strange New Worlds is going to (laughs) be. So on that note, and we're going to segue into upcoming business here, because I want to finish up this discussion of season one by stating I kind of felt a little bit of a negative way at the end of season one because every almost every single character we talked about here um that had some sort of disability representation on the show whether it be hammer whether it be una whether it be laan we didn't even mention mbanga's daughter rukia oh my gosh and that was a whole other thing i wanted to talk about yeah. <laughs> but by the end of season one, they are all off of the ship, whether they got arrested, they died, they went to explore the universe as a celestial being, or went to go find themselves in another way. So as much as I appreciate the positives of what we saw in season one, I was kind of disappointed that by the end of it, none of the season finished with none of them being on the enterprise you know i didn't even think about that point (laughs) but it's a good one like i mean i I have to go back and watch yeah no yeah it's no you're absolutely right and it just it didn't occur to me because i felt you know lawn was like we said that is a positive for her like off to to do her thing self-growth you know etc not good for una to be arrested and i'm sure we will save her somehow uh yeah hammer is gone for good sadly so Uh, we're moving into upcoming business and talk about what does that mean for season two what do we have to look forward to in season two watching star trek that i like oh that's bad <laughs> I look i struggled i struggled with that's picard. a good reason listen i and it was it wasn't it was all of picard i and look at the end of the day i take any star trek i look at and i find the good stuff and the good stuff always with the exception of an episode or two overwhelms the bad stuff um having said that man yeah i don't you know i don't have expectations i watched the trailer um it got me excited for 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 what's coming i don't know i just know that going back and rewatching season one reminded me of just how well done this show is and how now not every episode is uplifting (laughs) it's it's they're not yeah um but Every episode really hit different spots for me and I just, I really love watching them and I really love getting to talk about them. 
So I'm just looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say and what they see. I am looking forward to, well, simply new Star Trek. <laughs> uh, I am that trailer really got me excited. The trailer definitely looked like there's going to be more fun to be had mm-hmm. in season two. It won't be as intense as some episodes of season one were. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think like Heather Ray said, we're going to see Ortegas explored a little bit more because Ortegas is a main character and mm-hmm. that should happen. And I like that we just have another chance to be around these characters. And I've learned with this modern era of Star Trek not to take that for granted because we're getting 10 episodes a season. We're getting a show with some characters that all have some real potential. And I think we should appreciate the time we have with them while they're here. Here, here. I mean, I thought we would have more time with Discovery, and and sadly, their their time is coming to an end. So, I think it's super important to enjoy that time that we have, not just with you know the crew that we're getting to know, but with our friends when we get to talk about it. Very true. Very true. I think that covers it. Uh, well, the last point of note is that for anyone who has been following the news, the Writers Guild of America is currently on strike. Uh, they were picketing out a lot of these current Star Trek writers and producers were picketing outside of the Paramount headquarters uh, just this past week, along with a bunch of actors. The uh, Screen Actors Guild union is set to go on strike very soon following the writers and then the directors union is set to follow them so we're in a position where a lot of hollywood is going on strike for a very legitimate reason mind you because this is a streaming business and all of new star trek is on streamers the amount of royalties and money that these people actually make from these episodes in this new streaming world is not that much. So they deserve to get paid for the work they put into it. And um, I hope they get what they need. And this is impacting a lot of stuff in Hollywood. A lot of new seasons have been put on hold. Like I said, season three of strange new worlds was set to start filming. It is now on hold. Um, so we might have a little bit of a wait until we get some new Star Trek a few years down the line, but I think the wait is worth it. I don't know what you guys think. I know David, David hates waiting for new Star Trek, but (laughs) David, the wait is worth it, man. It is. It is. Yeah. But, but I'm doing better this season. Uh, (laughs) I, I've, I've dived back into, my previous life i've been diving back into anime so it's been it's been okay this time around i haven't been nearly as uh, about no new star trek as, <laughs> as i have been in the past that's why you fill this space with a rewatch thing and that's what we did on mission long discord it was just like we're watching the orville and then talking about strange new worlds and so we put and orville- voyager well, and the Voyager is ongoing. I mean, that's every Thursday because that's a main show. But we had Wednesday nights, we had discussion about the Orville. And then we would do Contiki chat, which is like convention and everything else chat. And 
because of like ramping up for Strange New Worlds, I was like, I would, we came up with the idea to do a rewatch essentially to try to change someone's mind and make them like it more. <laughs> and I strongly believe that Star Trek is better when enjoyed with friends. And so we have a little group that gets together and we watch the episode on our own and take notes if we want to. And then we get together and chat. Um, and some people go and listen to the, the actual Mission Log Live episode. Uh, I, I don't often get the time to do that, nor do I want to hear what I had to say. <laughs> I'm more, more concerned with what I think about the show now. And it's been a real joy to get to, to, to do this and talk about the show and relive it. And by the time we're done, it's time for season two. And we'll be here to talk about it. Uh, Heather, I think, is there anything else we need to cover? I think that about covers it. All right. <laughs> we had a lot in this episode. so it's, it's been a good episode, so I will let you take it home. Okay, so wrapping things up, thank you so much for joining us again, Heather, my dear Zahia. Why don't you tell the folks listening what you are up to and where people can find you if they want to continue the conversation? Oh, gosh. Where can you find me? So I am planning for STLV, which means that our group on Facebook, the Star Trek Convention Experiences Group, is where you will find me for convention-related things. I also recommend joining the USS Rio group on Facebook, which is also specific to STLV. Uh, and then I've talked about Mission Log, so um, you can join us over on Patreon. Um, look up Mission Log and uh, for like a dollar a month, you can get access to our Discord where I lead these discussions talking about Strange New Worlds and talk about all kinds of other things. We had a really great thread throughout Picard uh, where we talked about, you know, what we thought was going to happen. It was so for me, the chat that we had in the Discord group was more fun than, than the series or the season. Sorry. Um, I don't apologize. She didn't listen to our last episode, David. Yeah, we ripped it. <laughs> I'm we very behind. It. I'm very, and I, I might have, and I just forgot. I know that I listened to Women at Warp um, because they shared some very specific, like, like the Borg um, representing trans culture, like that. I never thought about that when I watched the show. Um, so I know they talked about that and then Jesse gender also did some videos about it and it was just, you know, fascinating to hear from that perspective. And Heather, you had shared a tweet about the, somebody <laughs> was talking about the boomers and the woke mind virus of the young people and all that. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, I really need to go back on Twitter where I hear some of these other strange fan theories. Uh, but yeah, I'm out there. I'm doing things. That's it. <laughs> doing great things. Doing great things. All right. Well, you can find the podcast at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find David at Call Me DJM. You can find me at NerdyGal33. Um, I'm also popping into Facebook nowadays, but I don't add people on Facebook, so don't look me up on Facebook. <laughs> um, and that about wraps it up for episode 70 of the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, do you want to sign off, David? Because you change it every time. I forget what the sign off is supposed to be. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, live logs and proper. Ha, ha, ha.